0: Today's episode is brought to you by Sadie Harper of Interior Harmony.
1: Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com.
0: You probably shouldn't Google that. Hello, hello, hello and welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And this is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. You got it. You did it. I did it. (laughs) It's always a test for me with no notes. (laughs) And I was like, wait, is it supposed to be speak up or stand up? (laughs) (laughs) Speak up. I got it. Yeah. And today,
1: y'all, I'm very excited for our guest today. I have such respect and admiration for this man. And as you know, we do not just have any man mm-hmm. on this show. You no. You have to be high caliber, and awakened man. And when we told him this, he was like, Are you gonna define that for me of what an awakened man is? Yeah. And
0: I was like, <laughs> It's just not being a douchebag asshole. <laughs>
1: At the very basic level.
2: Also, I thought maybe it's time for me to leave.
1: (laughs) So today in the studio, we have retired Chief John Herring from the Holly Springs Police Department. So I had the pleasure of working with him, and I was like, he has to come on the show.
0: Yeah, and for our non-local listeners, Holly Springs is a suburb of Raleigh, North Carolina. It's about, what are you, 35,000 now? A little over 40,000. 40,000. The last time I heard the statistic, and I know it was supposed to go up to sixty thousand by twenty twenty five. I think it just keeps like
2: booming. I'm I'm sure it's increased since I left there this morning. Yeah, Yeah, probably.
0: There's like people coming. Yeah, even in COVID, people are flocking to southwestern Wake County in North Carolina. We are fortunate for that, but yeah, that was all I wanted to say. (laughs) By the way, it's a suburb of Raleigh, (laughs) (laughs) and it's growing.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming and being on the show today. We appreciate your time.
2: Well, I am honored. Good morning. Because I know be
1: you're here. retired now, and so you could be out on a boat or out at the beach right now.
2: I could be doing lots of things, <laughs> and I have been doing lots of things.
1: What like have that. you been doing since retired?
2: Oh, gosh, lots of fishing. And where do you go time fishing? Uh, Down at the coast. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a place at Emerald Isle, mm-hmm. and we love it there. Uh, that's mm-hmm. our go-to spot. That's do you where go Offshore? I'm Mm. I do. It's really called nearshore. Mm. My boat's not quite big enough to go offshore. I'm trying to talk the wife into a bigger boat so I can go offshore <laughs> without having to charter one. But right. yeah, that's our go-to place. I swear, my wife and I grew up going to the beach. And so now that I'm retired, I can go yeah. anytime I feel like it.
1: Yep. When I first moved here, cause I'm originally from Florida and so beaches all the time. And so when I first moved here, Emerald Isle was one of the first beaches that I visited and it was gorgeous. To me, it's the equivalent of Destin, Florida, because the water is turquoise. The sand was different. It's more of like the tropical fluffy white sand mm-hmm. rather than
0: Cherry Grove Myrtle Beach is like the brown gritty sand. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know it was actually named Emerald Isle because of a visitor? I did not. That was flying over like back in the early plane days. A visitor flew over and said it looked like an Isle of Emeralds.
1: It's true. Oh, wow. It the does. Water does. It does. That
2: makes sense. Yeah. Totally. And I love their motto nice matters. Really? I didn't yeah. even
0: yeah, that's know that their was motto. their motto. Yeah. Look it's at this like, history lesson <laughs> I learned right? from y'all. <laughs> These random little factoids that I learned, like we watch the like beachfront bargain hunt and beach hunters and all those like HGTV shows Mm -hmm. and they have trivia in them. (laughs) We've learned so much and we only watch the ones about the North and South Carolina coast, like specifically, but. We will watch some other ones. They have all these fun little factoids. And when Nicholas likes to watch the ones with, oh, there's one that literally has before they break for commercial, has a trivia question. And then it comes back, and yep. he's like waiting with my nine year old, yep. waiting with bated breath to answer the question on That's that. Smart marketing on their part.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Anyway,
0: sorry. So we digress about fishing. My husband's a huge fisherman. So they switched their fall offshore trip. He goes on a boys' trip, and um, they've been going out of Hatteras, and they switched the fall trip this year to avoid the hurricane season. Mm-hmm. And they made it for the first weekend of May. Uh, yeah. Wah wah wah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm curious, so, when they closed the beaches, they didn't close it for people who lived on the beach, did they? I
2: think different towns did different things. Yeah. I know at Emerald Isle if you had a if you have a residence there, they would allow you to come on the island. But you had to stay at least two weeks. Well,
0: that's good. Yeah, because I thought that's really stupid. If you bought a beach house, that you can't use yeah. the beach. Yeah. Well, they were they closed. I know my parents at, at their beach house in Delaware. They were unable to go once. Like you had to be there, and you had to be a resident. And then they only opened the beach for the residents. There was no out of state if you came and for in for exercise out of state, only, and for exercise only. And yeah. then you were only allowed. They had troopers at the main points going into the state to find to check your residency. That's crazy. Yeah.
1: Crazy times. Yeah, it is crazy times. Are you times. thinking to your, I thought of you the other day and I was like, I wonder if he's sitting in his boat or on the beach being like, I got out when the getting was good.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't tell you how many emails and texts that I got saying, wow, you need to play poker. You need to buy a lottery right. ticket. Right. Um, you need to go but, on that
0: offshore trip and go for the big kahuna. Exactly, What's the biggest uh, fish you ever caught?
2: About an 80 pound drum. And believe it or not, I caught it in the surf, hmm. not from my boat. And it was just after I bought my boat and my wife said, what are you doing? You Wait. bought me, <laughs> let pay $40,000 for a boat and you d- you caught the biggest fish ever right. from the surf. Yeah. Surf fishing is fun.
0: It is. I it enjoy is. that.
2: And we love the fall mm. at Emerald. That's the best time there.
0: Do they have like festivals and stuff?
2: They do have, they have a couple of festivals. Moorhead has a festival, mm. you know, the oh, yeah, festival, the seafood festival, mm-hmm. and all the tourists go away. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'm really a tourist, but we have a place there, so we don't consider ourselves the typical tourists, but most of those people go back to wherever they came from and you don't have to buy for, you know, seats in a restaurant and all of that. Mm-hmm. It's just, re- it's really nice in the fall and the fishing is excellent in the yes. fall.
0: Yeah. Yes, it is. Because of uh, the hurricanes turning up all that water, the fish are going right. all over crazy.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Would you say that was your most memorable fishing experience?
2: I've had a couple of trips to Florida mm-hmm. that were with some friends that were very good fishing trips. We didn't catch super large fish, but we caught a lot of mahi, mm-hmm. and uh, I love to eat mahi. So delicious! And in Florida, <laughs> whatever you catch, you can take to the local restaurant. There's three or four in a Marathon, mm-hmm. and we'll take it there. They'll cook the fish for you that night. It was in the water
0: that morning, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. get to
2: eat it that night. So very fresh and. Nice. Those are enjoyable. That's
1: mm-hmm. awesome. I bet you didn't think you were going to come on this show with two girls and talk about fishing. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs>
2: Actually, I had no idea. Uh- uh, <laughs> what we were going to talk about?
0: I'm going to be texting my husband, and be like, John Herring was on the show today, <laughs> and I'm going to introduce you.
2: My wife actually asked me this one. She said, "What are you going to talk about? What are they going to ask you about?" I said, "I have no idea." She no. said, "You're just going into it blind," and I said, "That's, that's the yeah, point. That's, that's the our, way that I do it. Yeah, that's, that's, all, that's how, how we do our madness." <laughs> <That> is, <laughs>
0: uh, uh, <laughs> it's a like strange, it. like mad science <laughs> laugh <laughs> that you just did. Yeah. No, but that's our mo, right? Because we don't want people ask all the time, "Is there any prep?" And I'm like, no. Because we want yeah. it to be
1: candid and organic, and like just come in and we'll yeah. talk about fishing. Who yeah. knew? and at the beginning we ease you in with fishing questions, but I'm about uh, to like she's about to be the like it is, this is, it is a setup. It's yeah. coming. Yeah. It's I've coming. done a few now
2: interviews you're all in my life, so I know how that works.
0: <laughs> We've covered the the red drum and the fishing and the in your mind you're in Emerald Isle just relaxing on the surf right. and and then we're like whammy whammy whammy.
1: <laughs> so I do want to know because you've been the police chief or was it 26 years?
2: Uh, A little over 26 years, yes.
1: Yep, And so Holly Springs has changed dramatically. Like my first, I moved to North Carolina in 05. And so my first introduction to Holly Springs was like, so there's the whorehouse there, Mm. and on the top is the whorehouse, then it's the bar, and then gambling's in the basement, and like you just drive fast, and you like, go through (laughs) it quick. And Mm. so I was
0: like, okay. Well, but even like seven years ago, I remember we met, I was when... Yeah, when first when we we got wind that my husband's company was coming down here, that we randomly met someone who was driving through. We were living in Maryland, and D, we were in DC, but we were visiting my parents in Maryland, and we were at a Wegman's, having dinner. The little one was running around, and we met this like random couple who happened to live in Holly Springs, and they left. And my husband was like, "We're not going to live in Holly Springs," <laughs> and I because the everything he had heard to that point, it was just the not desirable. Mm-hmm. Well, there of was kind of nothing we had no there. idea yeah, yeah there was
1: nothing there so tell us what it was like for you because that's a long time way before me
2: i heard some of the same things before i went to work there one it was a very small town there was about a, a thousand people maybe 1200 people that lived there believe it or not
1: that's crazy and that-
2: so i'll preface what i'm getting ready to tell you by saying that i met a lot of really awesome people back that back then mm-hmm. as well there were some really awesome people but Holly Springs was sort of lawless because they didn't have a police department. And so they relied on the county sheriff's department. Mm. And it became the drug capital of Wake County. It was known as the drug capital of Wake County. And any deputy that worked in the late 80s, early 90s would tell you the same thing. A lot of people in the county, a lot of criminals in the county, that's where they would go to do their business. And so there was a lot of drugs. Uh, and And then the residual that comes from that is... Other crimes, assaults and stabbings and shootings and all those mm-hmm. kind of things. So it was so wild west when I first went there. There were only three of us, believe it or not. And I think there are, gosh, the department's over 90 members now. So lots of growth. But it was a completely different place. It wasn't a lot there. A lot of the roads, Sunset Lake, part of Sunset Lake Road and Grigsby Avenue, they were all dirt roads. Mm-hmm. So it is
1: so fascinating to me.
2: It really mm-hmm. it really is even when I think about it because it was this gradual evolution that happened there and we've sort of become this little is a, a, a big small town mm-hmm. kind of thing going on there now and but yeah so one of the things that resonates with me when I think about going to work there and I think about patrolling around that town there were no grocery stores there was nothing open after eleven, so anything that happened after eleven was probably not a good thing. And there was a club uh, in town called Club Rhythms, and it was a hip hop club in it, Holly Springs. In Holly Springs, in my mind poof, yeah. right now.
0: But was it like a hip hop club, or was it like a front for something?
2: No, it Nefarious. was actually. It, it, it could have very well been a front for something that we never figured out, but um, primarily it was, it, it was actual hip hop club, and they had a lot of. I'm not into hip hop, so <laughs> i listen to country music, but, <laughs> uh, and I have most of my life, uh, with the exception of. And I, I do love rock when I'm mm. I love mm-hmm. rock music, but there were Lords of Underground, mm-hmm. Heavy D, mm-hmm. Patra. These wow. were people that I didn't know who they were. They were coming to this club, and I would later see them on MTV. And I was like, "Why are they coming to Holly Springs? There's nothing here." But the club owner actually would. It was my understanding he paid them ten thousand dollars up mm. front, and then he put them up in a hotel in Apex because there was no There's hotel no in Holly Springs. <laughs> And, and they would come and perform, and there would be upwards of 2,000 people that would go in that place on a, wow. fri- on a Friday and Saturday night. Mm-hmm. It didn't open until 1130, so that tells you something. Mm-hmm. And a good friend of mine that I went to basic school with, Rick Leach, you've met Rick. Mm-hmm. We worked off-duty security there in the parking lot. And so it was entertaining. Yes. Was entertaining. And I didn't know any different. I had just started. It was a rookie cop. I had no idea what really to expect. There wasn't a lot of training when I went to Holly Springs. In fact, there was a zero training program. And uh, so they just threw us out there. Here's the keys to the car. Here's a gun and a badge.
0: Don't, Have fun. This is
2: what I was told keys to the car. Here's your badge. Don't do anything you're not comfortable with, which was everything. Right, I wasn't right. comfortable with anything. Right. Uh, so we learned by the you know school of hard knocks, and uh, but we worked every Friday and Saturday night there that the club was open, and the owner the owner actually paid us cash to work there, right. and it was a deal he had with the town in order to be open. He had mm-hmm. to have security um, mm-hmm. in the parking lot. Lots of fights, lots mm-hmm. of cuttings and stabbings, and uh, lots of automatic weapons. Believe it or not, people used to ride down the, up and down the road near that near the club, or when they would leave. Fire automatic weapons up in the air. These are things that people that lived in Holly Springs at the time had no idea was going on the right. other side of town. So I say all that to say we've come a long way. You know, it's yeah. Safest town in in North Carolina, top fifty in the United States. So much different place, and that happened over time. There were once the police department, once there was law enforcement presence there, we were able to identify, you know, the the problems mm-hmm. and, and deal with those. So
0: so now it's it's gone from whenever I think of people shooting guns in the air, like first it's like a major eye roll and like what goes up must come down, y'all. That's just stupid. And then I get over that and I think of those campy cart the campy westerns Mm -hmm. with the just shooting off the... The poppers. Yeah, (sighs) anyway. So like where does the misconception then come from a lot of these areas where you hear about people feeling unsafe, right? If you can actually tout the statistics that it's the safest right so where do you think this misconception comes from that people are unsafe in their homes and they have to be mistrustful and
2: honestly I didn't hear that a lot in Holly Springs and I've heard that and I think that's an excellent point because you can say that you're safe statistically and we all know that's based on it's based on
0: statistics, it's science, and math. Yeah, but
2: but you they know what lie. was what was more important to me as a chief when I was there was the perception of safeness. Mm-hmm. It, and I think that at least most people that I talked to, in all communities, felt safe in Holly Springs. They felt that their kids were safe in their schools uh, and in our parks. And I raised my kids there. Mm-hmm. I never once worried about them going out. Or going into any community, really, in, in Holly Springs, there were areas that I would say, "Hey, this place or that, stay away," because I knew the what kind of oh, activity. You had the inside track. I had the inside track. That's right. <laughs> I knew where the hot spots were. Yeah, they would stay away from that. But generally, I really never heard people in Holly Springs say that they didn't feel safe.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and it, it does feel like a bubble here. Like Holly Springs oh, yeah. does feel like a bubble to me. And I think because when we, when I first heard you speak at the breakfast eye opener you were talking about the relationship with the community. And I think that's to answer Jenny's question. Like that's the difference is the work that you put in to create that relationship and build that bridge with the community. So talk to us about that journey of taking it from where the the nightclub was happening. People didn't leave their house to you. It was a long
0: journey for you to build that relationship.
1: So talk to us about that.
0: And to Sarah's point too, I lived in not the safest city in America. (laughs) Washington, (laughs) D.C. is not the safest city in America. But there are parts that have a a high safety rating. And I think that for me, coming to a small, like I live in Apex and I live right in downtown Apex and I am never worried. And and we moved here specifically to have that life of Mm -hmm. not worrying. And then we're in the environment. And even, I think it's hard for people to sometimes shed those. Well, I know
1: because 100%. I grew up in Tampa, not the safest. Let me tell you my childhood, (laughs) y'all. I have safety issues that I'm still working through. We moved from Pennsylvania and it was three houses and then there was a road. And on this side of the road, it was like, don't go over there. But we had woods all behind us and woods here. Our U-Haul pulls up and the neighbor comes out and tells my dad why they said this in front of me when I'm four years old. Come on, guys. But they say to my, he says to my dad, so I just want to let you know, last night when I was in my bathroom, I heard a noise. It sounded like a woman crying out. I went outside, looked around. I didn't see anything. He said, then when I went out there this morning, there was her dead body next to our house. Oh, wow. She had been raped and murdered in the middle of the night. And I'm like. And this is in Tampa. And I'm like, dad. Did it not, not occur to, to you? Don't do it. It's gotten way worse since I left. I've been to
2: Tampa. I actually enjoyed it. What? Tampa.
1: Are you in the Carolwood, like, Avila area where it's gated? Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> like, I, my husband says Tampa Ghetto. That's what he's like. Get ready. Sarah's got Tampa Ghetto coming out. But I was like, Dad, why didn't you just load us back? Nothing had been moved out of the U-Haul. Why didn't you just put me back in the U-Haul and drive away? Because that was the... We had... Cults come and do sacrificial rituals in the woods by our house. I witnessed.
0: Like, how is there, how did no one get involved to stop that? That's a whole other question. It's a whole, but other I'm
1: saying, so that was my childhood of That's not, bananas. our house was broken into twice. I watched my neighbor's house be broken into as I'm on the phone with 911. And then you'll get a kick out of this. They're like, can you please come identify them? We have them in the back of the car. And I'm like, but then they're going to see me they're going to know it's me. And then mm, when right. they get out because it's breaking and entering, it's not like they're going away for hard knocks. Right. They're going to come and
0: get me. My God. And then there's like my, yes, I lived in Washington DC as an adult, but as a child, I lived in the sheltered suburbia and my parents were going to check over at the neighbor's house to feed the fish or something. I don't know. And they set the alarm off and we were all having family dinner and my brother-in-law called the house over there and pretended to be a police officer. <laughs> and then when the real police actually showed up because the alarm was going off and they couldn't remember the passcode, my parents came out of the house with their arms up and then they all had a good laugh with the cops because <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were all just, it was just like that environment. And that so was that was my- Stark opposite yes, is my point. So moving <laughs>
1: here, I had to shed, like you were saying, I would yell at my husband. He grew up in the country out where everybody- lock
0: your doors and he didn't
1: lock his doors and I was like (laughs) I'm about to divorce your ass if you don't lock these doors when you leave because I'm still in the house and he's honey this isn't Tampa anymore and I was like but I don't feel safe yet I hadn't made that transition
2: that brings up an interesting thought for me and when I hear people talk about that because in, in you and I have talked about this Sarah we're products of our environment and our experiences and so those experiences shaped the way you feel And even when you move to a place that statistically is safe, you may still, your perception may be that it's unsafe because it's based on those experiences. Mm -hmm. And we could get into a whole nother conversation about that with implicit biases and things like that. I think that's what shapes us and makes us who we are. But back to your question, and you live in Apex too, and so Mm -hmm. I'm going to give a shout out to Chief Letney over there. He's a great leader Done a superb job there. I thought the world of Jack Lewis, who was there before mm-hmm. Ronnie Hearn.
0: Names don't mean a whole lot to yeah. me, but shout out.
2: But they, yeah, but they, <laughs> I, uh, I love our mayor. <laughs> I do too. He's actually a really good friend of mine. We started in the business at the same right, time because he
0: was a police mayor. Gilbert was a police captain for 25 years or whatever. Yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. He he had just started with Apex when I started in mm-hmm. Holly Springs, so he could probably confirm these stories that I'm telling you about Holly <laughs> Springs because many times I had to call on apex to check mm-hmm. in with us because we were uh, back then you worked by yourself i forgot to say that you you were just a you know a one, oh that's one,
0: scary so it was so there was like no structure to a department it was just well here are the it was police. the three of them
2: one yeah one, <laughs> <guess>. one officer <laughs> checks off and the other one checks on and so you, you've you got uh, the entire shifts, town like uh, yeah you know. and so if you needed help and oftentimes i did need help I would call an apex mm-hmm. uh, or free but, uh, most of the time, it was apex because that back then they did our dispatching many times. Mayor Gilbert checked in with me, so yeah, you know, we've got some good war stories too,
0: yeah, yeah, and so back to Sarah's question about what happened with that progression from going to a thousand person town with the hip hop club on one side of town and and just creating that relationship and then like how did that yeah because when there's
1: only three of y'all the community then becomes your officers yes (laughs) to help
2: you your ancillary yeah that's a great point (laughs)
0: women's auxiliary (laughs) yeah
2: i think i learned that early in my career is that it's not an us and them it's us and uh, had i not had or developed good relationships even back then as a patrol officer. I probably would have been in trouble because there were also times, I had to call on other police departments, but there were times that members of the community saw what was happening and come to assist and Mm -hmm. aid too. And that's a great feeling as a police officer when you have people in the community where you respond to these calls that will step up and they got your back as well. So Mm -hmm. that's why when I say that there were some really awesome people there then and they likely still live Mm -hmm. there met some of the best people that live in Holly Springs back in the early nineties when it was Wild West. Mm-hmm. So
0: are the other, were the other two that started at the same time as you, were they of some, simi- were they in the same kind of alignment mindset as you like that? They no. Re- <laughs> at least one, you get to where my question, but that's the thing. Do you think that things may have developed differently if it had been? Yes. Oh my God. Yes. A different personality <laughs> at the helm.
2: It's likely we were headed down that road to be honest with you. Now, when I talk about Rick Leach, he was one of the first members as well. He's African-American, one of my dear friends. And we shared all of those experiences. And I think that building those relationships in the community, it was helpful to have him there because he's from New Hill. So he's from the area. He knew a lot of people there. And so he was my, he was the trusted person because he was the insider right he was the insider Mm -hmm. and that's what you have to have in the community you have to have someone that the community trust because I'm a white guy from Wayne County I'm not going to come in there and walk into an African-American community and be trusted Right off the bat, it's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. No. So you got to have uh, you got to have someone like that. We talked about a true pedigree. Yep. He's that trusted person in the African American community that can he can vouch for me, mm-hmm. and and so I can be heard and I can have the opportunity to listen as well. He does that for us. And
1: I think the vouching gets you through the door, but from my experience with you, it's you yeah, who then yeah. creates the relationship mm-hmm. because he can get you through the door, and then people can see through. BS real right. quick. Yes. Well, it's and the no like and motives. trust.
0: Like somebody mm-hmm. can, that vouching is the no factor, right? Somebody knows you and can say, yep, they're a good guy, but your actions are going to develop the likeness and the trust mm-hmm. factors. Right. Just yeah, yeah any relationship need those things.
2: It It really does. It comes down to what you do with those opportunities mm-hmm. and how you develop those relationships with the community. And that's every, we have a big community and you have subsets of the community, obviously, even with subdivisions, Mm -hmm. the community or Mm -hmm. your own little town sometimes. We don't, uh, I don't think that's a a good way to approach the community, but but that happens sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But you got to have relationships with all of those. And and, and in Holly Springs, it's very diverse. You've got people living in poverty there, Mm -hmm. and then you have people that are
0: very, very wealthy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Living
2: in average house i think now is about three hundred and twenty five thousand mm-hmm. dollars so it's, it's pretty affluent
1: yep for you and we talked about this privately and i think it's important for everybody to hear what you had said is that your relationship with your girls and being a dad is really what helps shape your leadership and how you were able to connect with people and things like that so can you share with us more about that yeah
2: You're not going to try to make me cry on this Maybe. I start talking about my kids, I get get really emotional, but (laughs) yeah, as a police chief and as a police officer there, I always felt like I had uh, an opportunity and a responsibility to to do my part in the community and create something that my kids would be proud of and that they would feel safe. It was always really important and I got a lot of insight from my kids that, that grew up in Holly Springs and we... Went to they the became parks. the inside track. They were the inside <laughs> track for dad. Yeah, and they and and they set me straight quite a few times. They still do. But yeah, it was really important for me to do my part and create a community that I could be proud of, that they were proud of. And I think I may have told you this story when my oldest daughter was talking to her about she she graduated from Meredith. I'm very proud of her. She initially went to work with with uh carry. And I always told both of them I was like, please don't move to Tampa or San Francisco or somewhere, I want you to stay close by because I'm really close to them. My wife and I both are very close to our kids. And my oldest said, Dad, why would I move anywhere in the United States? This is the best place to live mm-hmm. in the entire world. Why would I go anywhere else? And that really that hit home for me. I thought we've created something here in southern Wake County that my kids want to stay here. Okay. I grew up mm-hmm. in a very small, rural, farm town, Everybody graduated from high school and left the town. Mm-hmm. Unless you were going to farm, you left. You went somewhere. There were, you know, there were, there were not a lot of opportunities there. But to hear that and to hear my kids tell me they want to raise their children in Holly mm-hmm. Springs—that's something to be proud of. Because again, going back to where we came from, it hasn't always been that way. Mm-hmm. But now to think about where we might be going in the future and this. Fabulous hospital that they're going to mm-hmm, build. Mm-hmm. And I was working in Holly Springs when there wasn't even a grocery store. There was a big billboard up in a in an open field that said, we want a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and, and no, no one would even build one there or a school.
0: So when did things start to develop? What was the – what big Was point. there a catalyst event or did it just happen gradually as people started looking for alternatives to –
2: I think that initially it was Sunset Ridge and the golf course, Devil's Ridge Golf Course. And uh, a lot of folks that were looking to move to Cary and to Southern Wake County started to look at Holly Springs because of that neighborhood. So that was, Mm -hmm. that kind of kicked everything off. And then, and that was around 1990. And, then the, we got our first school in '96, Holly Springs Elementary. I was there when they stuck the shovels in the ground. It was, <laughs> and I couldn't believe it because I, 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 didn't know what was going to come. What there was one person, Gerald Holliman, who was a mayor at the time, who had vision. And he saw all of that, and he would tell me, uh, one day, this is going to be the place to live. This, there's going to be 50,000 people. I was like, this guy is <laughs> off his rocker. He's lost his mind. There's no way the 50,000 mm-hmm. people are going to come to Holly Springs. It, it's happened. And so the hospital thing, though, to think that my grandkids could actually be born in Holly Springs was a thought that would have never entered my mind right. 25 years ago. yeah Yep.
1: So. I want to dig into now the awakened man. So do you want me to define it for you before please, we dig into please. that? Please. Okay. So essentially an <laughs> awakened man is somebody who is going on the journey of emotional intelligence, personal development, and who's, hey, I might not know everything. and I don't have
0: to be a douchebag about it. I don't have
1: to be a douchebag. And they believe in equality and... Like that they can also do laundry and help with the household
0: chores, things like that, right?
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> like, I'm 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 fitting that bill. Yes, well, that they're in are, it together. I, but
0: it's that they are you don't have to define them as a feminist because they just are. Like they are allies and they are like they there's are no not very
1: toxic masculinity. No, there's that's no the tox- best, that's the best way yeah. to put it. That so they just
0: yeah. We both married them, so It worked out in our favor.
1: I was like, girl, I put in a lot of work. Mine did not come that way. No, I mean, there's there's work involved,
0: but people talk about- They have to be willing to learn. That's the thing. And both of us, like, (laughs) willingness to learn. I don't cook. I can. I'm actually an excellent cook. And an excellent baker. My husband does not like cooking. He does all the grocery shopping. He does all the laundry. He cleans the kitchen every night, mm-hmm. and he is, as things are now, the primary caretaker for our daughter because I leave and he's home all day with her. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Bless his heart. Yes, I was
0: yes. yes. Say, yeah.
1: But what I love <laughs> is that you talk about your childhood and growing up and you grew up in an environment that was very much masculine yes. and like the mm. old school, like sports equals success and like yes. value is your placed achievements in.
0: are your success. It's not what's innate in you. And, right. yes. yeah.
1: and so yes. your evolution from what you grew up in to the man that you are now, I would from, would you agree that it's very different? Very okay.
2: different. Very, very different. And I love my dad to death and he taught me some of the most valuable lessons I've ever learned, but he was old school. He still is old school and he's still alive. And he's, he turned 80 this year and he's, I asked him the other day, I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing pretty good. I said, how are you feeling? He said, I feel like I'm 80 years old.
1: That's the best so, answer.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, but you know what I think that happened with me because my dad could, he, I don't know if he could find the oven in the kitchen. I don't know if he just didn't do that. Mm-hmm. He took care of things on the outside he cut the grass and he washed the cars and he made sure the yard was immaculate and he's very OCD and you know, it was tough I've, I've talked to you about yeah. that too but yeah very meticulous and it was a tough environment to grow up in but I I, I don't know I took an interest in cooking and what my mom did too when mad was a Greyhound bus driver so he was going a lot mm-hmm. and when he was gone I wasn't I was not dragged out in the yard to chop wood and do all Mm -hmm. the, do all the guy things. So I took an interest in cooking and I do most of, I I would say I probably do 95% of the Mm -hmm. cooking. My wife may say 90%, but I'm going to say 95%. (laughs) But I enjoy it. I enjoy. I fully
0: embrace that. I'm Mm -hmm. only responsible for 5% and that may or may not include a pizza delivery. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) But I don't do all the laundry, but mm-hmm. I do my laundry. I feel like that's, it, it, it's my laundry. It's mine to do. But uh, I think what really helped, what I was getting at, is having daughters. And I feel like that some men are just meant to have girls. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine asked me one time, and I, I know he didn't mean to be offensive, but it was a little offensive. He said, are you going to have any more kids? And I said, no, I've got two beautiful daughters, and he, that's it. That's don't all you work.
0: Work. want a boy? Mm-hmm. He said, You're don't not you going to try son? for a boy. Yeah. I want
2: to know, I, you know, and it, and I don't think he realized. But he said I would have to have a boy. You have to have a boy, and I think some men feel like to be a man, yeah, they have to have. And it. their it's a societal seed construct. No, perpetuates, yeah.
0: right. but it's a societal <laughs> right. construct because yes. when we found out we were having, we had a boy first. Oh, it's son. For, you're so blessed because you were son first. I'm like, the fuck. Yeah. Like, it's a healthy baby. I don't care. <laughs> That's right. And then I didn't die during livery. That's another bonus. Yeah. Hey, I'll take it and then when we found out we were having a girl oh that's fantastic one of each you can stop and i'm like what if i want 10 kids mm-hmm. not that right. i do i don't want 10 kids but <laughs> it's that it's invalidating and it's minimizing and people don't understand how those questions land mm-hmm. because if it had been another boy oh are you going to try for a girl would be i the get next. that all the time right yeah, yeah. and i was going to segue yeah. right into that and i'm like hell no I'm Sadie Harper, owner of Interior Harmony, offering interior design services for the Triangle area since 2009. I specialize in room plans and design style assessments for the room which just will not come together, customized to your individual tastes and budgets. I love mixing design styles and sourcing unique fabrics for one-of-a-kind custom upholstery, bedding, and window treatments. The end result? A room which looks and functions the way you want and need. Your home is your canvas. Show your style. To set up your consultation, email me at design at interiorharmony-nc.com.
1: But (laughs) to your point, to your point, for me, I grew up thinking I am meant to be a mom to a little girl. Mm -hmm. I am meant to have this firecracker, like I had dreams about her growing up vivid dreams and that she was going to be this change maker and this empowered, sassy, smart. Like I was like, I meant to have, cause that's what I thought change was going to bring. And then when we found out both, we were like, okay, the first one is a boy. And I was like, Oh God. And then I legit was like reading all the books. And I was like, okay, honey, it says, don't drink caffeine. It says to stand on your head. And so my husband, my poor husband, <laughs> he was like standing on his head and we were doing everything by the book in order to get the girl. And then Lennox,
0: Of course, as a boy.
1: And so I was like, oh, my God. Because, by the way,
0: Matt doesn't have any X chromosome sperm, by the way. like That's just it.
1: (laughs) But I was like, oh, my God, what does this mean? What does this mean for the future, for my whole vision that I've had since I was a teenager? And it was my husband who said to me, honey, you're going to raise two awakened men. Yep. And honestly, we are still in a patriarch society. So until we have awakened men like you partnering and leveling Mm -hmm. up, The women are not going, like as much as I wish, the women are not going to change the world on their own. But look it's at, taking awakened men in our patriarch yeah. society
0: to up-level our society mm. together, like mm-hmm. the awakened and man with the empowered woman. Yep. And those awakened men are raising empowered women. Yes. Like, we're going to pick other awakened men in it, or at least train them. Yes. <laughs> turn <Correct>. them into.
2: <laughs> yeah. We, we, we need to be trained. Absolutely. Turn
0: them into those awakened men. But that's you know, where, I, do you think that the, um, I'm going to segue this back for a second. So yep. just. Give me a moment. You'll get yeah. there. We'll get there. Do you think that there is a problem with police as law enforcement as a whole not having enough awakened men?
2: It's possible. It's possible. I don't know what the answer to that is, but, yeah, I mean, that that definitely, yeah,
0: like I mean. The, the rookies that you have seen come through every year over your 26-year career, how many of them would you say could benefit from some of Sarah's training? <laughs>
2: About 75% right. probably. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. The, that's but
0: part here's of what the we're dealing though, with though,
1: right? It's because he is a leader of those people. Mm. They, he's modeling the attributes yep. of an awakened man of a conscious leader. Yep. And so then they're learning through that modeling. and they're Because people don't know. That's no. the thing. People don't know. Men don't know there's another way. You didn't know until your
0: wife or your girls mm-hmm. taught you. But his you. mother started the, the journey. Right. Or Yeah. Right. yeah. In absence. And just because of the function of what your dad did, right? Of so your, your dad mom being gone.
2: Yeah. yeah thank you. we developed goodness. that relationship.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Way to go, mom. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. And my mom's a very strong, she's a very strong woman and loved her kids. And I think that's what the, the love and the relationship that I have with my kids, I think came, you know, from her, not that my dad didn't love me, he was demonstratively.
0: They show it differently, right?
2: Yeah, he did. He did. He mm-hmm. didn't show a lot of love. Mm-hmm. He he did. I, I talk about it's a joke in my family about the the herring hug. Mm-hmm. It is so awkward. And we were talking about hugs as I came in. We don't do those anymore, but when we did them. Mm-hmm. Uh, My dad, he is so uncomfortable. It's like hugging that door. Oh, Oh my God. He needs a 10-second hug then. Yeah. Yeah. Next
1: time you hug him, because you can help him work through this. And he needs the the eye contact. Yeah, we implemented this in our house where we do 10-second hugs. and Oh, he would be
2: so uncomfortable. (laughs) But then (laughs)
1: after a while, after about eight seconds, you feel the oxytocin kick in and your body goes...
0: Uh-huh. So, and you need the one minute Work him up contact. to it, be like, dad, yeah. here's
1: a two second. And then next time you see him, count to five in your head and you're like, mm-hmm. hold on. For, and then work him up.
2: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll try it. It's a good I'll experiment yeah.
1: because honestly, he wants it and needs it. His body mm-hmm. is craving that. He just has never had it. So he doesn't yeah. in know. In his 80
2: years, plus his heart. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He just doesn't know.
2: Yeah, He definitely needs it. Mm-hmm. He definitely needs it. Now mm-hmm. he's, yeah, I mean, again, he's my hero. He's my dad and all the things that he did teach me we talked about the competitiveness and, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's needed in the world. I think this trophy for everyone is like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to get started on that Mm -hmm. either, but it's a problem. And, but he didn't teach that. He taught he, but he also taught me how to lose, Mm -hmm. to lose gracefully. Mm -hmm. And then to use that, Um, to come back stronger so Mm. you know all of those things but that's
0: a hard skill to teach because we've been trying for my son's been alive for how long almost 10 years and we've been trying to teach him that entire time to lose gracefully and it's whoo man is that a (laughs) you gotta keep working
1: on it all the way up through teenage years i know i know but there's there's just days i'm like
0: when is this going to sink (laughs) right yeah
2: yeah
0: (laughs) It's not life. Like, you're not going to die because you lost at Monopoly, dude. Like, it's cool. They yeah.
1: tie their worth into yes, absolutely
0: sports or into winning. They tie yeah. their worth into winning. And if I don't win, I suck. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he comes by it totally, honestly. I hate to say <laughs> between me and my husband. Right.
2: But <laughs> I think it's how you respond to that, too. Yeah. I, I responded well to that. I responded when I was in the military. I responded well when the drill sergeant was in my face yelling. That motivated me. My brother, on the other hand, was demotivated by that and me mm. and my dad had a lot of problems and he actually gave up athletics because of it because of the you know the the constant push mm-hmm. but I was uh, very driven because of it so it's i think it's it's the individual too and how mm-hmm. they respond totally. to that
1: cuz i don't respond well to that that's why i don't go to yeah. group exercise classes where they're like go faster like the yeah. pedal people i'm like out of my, face.
2: Yeah.
0: No, Zumba was the only like. I'd kill myself in a class like really? that. Really? Yeah. And I'd be like, mm mm. <laughs> I would. Ride, I would ride that line because there you? are some yeah. days where I'd be like, "Let me push harder, 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 right. faster." And then there's other days I'm like, "Zumba, let me dance around." And but if she like, said to me,
1: "Sarah, you can do it. I know you can get to five mm. on the," then I'd be right. like, "I can do it." But when they're yelling at you, go, go! Yeah, like, I don't like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but all right, so we're. <laughs> I don't know how do we get. That? and um, I
2: do that to people. I just you'll be way out and left field. My my wife hates when I do that. We start talking about something, we end up talking about five five. Uh, yeah, and it's, it, it happens.
0: Want. It happens. It just is the organic flow. It is the organic flow. Yeah. So, but going back to as a construct of law enforcement, like now that we're looking and and evaluating this construct that is law enforcement in this country, and I think it's really unique what you did in holly springs as opposed to what many departments are dealing with across the country and how do they navigate that so can you talk about what led you to bringing in sarah to do a workshop that was i promise i did not prep her or pay her to do this i swear to god swear to god no because so sarah what last year when sarah and i were in this goal setting group like that was a huge thing. Like we were cheerleading, championing, like she was letting us know all the stages along the way. Like I'm setting mm-hmm. my proposal today. I'm doing it. So I know how important and, and how impactful right. and it I was. And I will say
1: that getting in with you guys, cause I am fighting to get into other places mm-hmm. where I feel like now I'm begging, where I'm like, please let me help you. Yeah. Please. Right. Like, let me help you. Like, that's how I feel. And so I didn't... Help me help you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't feel that way with you.
2: Interestingly enough, a lot of times it comes down to funding. Mm -hmm. And when I hear all of this talk about defunding the police, whatever that means to whoever's word, saying it. I that
0: word because it's not defunding. It's just, co- yeah. it's, it's restructuring. Yeah, yeah. Reframing, and cognitive well, reframing.
2: And police need reform. Absolutely we do. And we've been doing that for a number of years. This just didn't start recently. If we go all the way back to the Rodney King incident in L.A., mm-hmm. which that's a great Netflix, 92, if you haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, we forget mm-hmm. about that. I think that happened In L.A. and it was pretty isolated then. It was horrible. You go back and watch. I forgot about just how horrible that was. Uh But I think then along came social media. And so some of these groups that are more radical have gotten better organized.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: so now when there are protests, protests all over the country, whereas back then it was only in L.A. But I forgot where I was going with that. Talking about reform. Mm-hmm. So I'll go back, at least while I've been chief, to the Ferguson mm-hmm. days in 2014. Mm-hmm. And that's when it really started. And you remember the 21st uh, century policing, that was part of reform. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that has to do with training. So going back to the training that we, we did with air. It's about, it's not about defund. We, that's the last thing that we need right. to do is defund the police. We need to give more funding to the police, yep. but maybe we need some better oversight on how that money gets spent mm-hmm. and how we can get the biggest bang for our buck because mm-hmm. training's where it's at. Mm-hmm. You, you got to train these officers. Basic, the BLET programs, that's it, it, that's the basic law enforcement training that you get through the community college. And it is just what it says. It's very basic. So officers really don't know or learn how to be the police until they go to an agency Mm -hmm. and they go through the training program. And then a lot of that depends on the funding that's available for the departments and what they use that funding for. And I was always big on training Mm -hmm. and I was big on training what I call it's not the training that that law enforcement can get for free through the community colleges or the mandated training that we all have to have put the lights out <laughs> but uh, that was it's
0: fun and exciting this
2: is specialized training and sometimes it's expensive mm-hmm. you're expensive there am i but, really but we got she but, is a
0: good investment <laughs> she is not expensive in the world of law, law enforcement training she is a good investment
2: yeah but that's what we have to seek out mm-hmm. as leaders in law enforcement we have to look for the very best training that's available and then we have to go after the funding so that we're able to do, mm. we're able to, to, to do so that.
0: So what about like when you're up against things like police unions where they're saying you have to spend the funds this way or because it's a, a and believe me, I'm pro union. Like I am not, I I believe in worker protections. I, I was a social worker just like Sarah. And I had a different experience because I worked in behavioral health. And so we right. worked very closely with law enforcement that are not trained to deal with the people they were bringing into the emergency room. And, you know, that.
1: Well, and I think that's the thing is because the police department is being called out for things that they should not be called out for. No, no. That would right. be, a social worker should be out right. there for that. Or, right. and,
0: and I, I think it, yeah,
1: it's very important when we talk about defund, it's not defund, like you said, it's restructure of let's give them what they need mm-hmm. and that's their lane. Yep. Right now we're asking officers to have 50 different lanes and right. and not supporting them. Right. No, like it's the not, accident it's not that fair. just happened last week in Holly Springs, they're on site for these deaths or murders or suicides, they need support afterwards. That's a trauma, and that's never, yeah. there's not systems in place to address that. And so then they're walking around carrying all these traumas inside of them. Right. And then, of course, well, they're self-medicating yeah. or, of course, their relationships. Well, are but it, so- it
0: goes right mm-hmm. back to these, again, with these social constructs of that men are strong, that they to show signs of weakness. And predominantly these jobs, these careers are sought after by they're considered to be male jobs. Right. Remember and meet the um, meet the, was it meet the parents. Oh, because he's Stiller, a nurse, he's a male nurse. Yeah. Oh, you're you're not a doctor. Mm-hmm. Like and that wasn't even that long ago. Yeah. Y'all like <laughs>
1: That's why um, I love though. The, have you seen all the female chiefs
2: yeah. yes. everywhere? Yes, yep. and I have worked with some amazing chiefs, mm-hmm. female. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and it's. But I think it goes back to so what Sarah was saying when you're talking about these secondary traumas and these initial traumas and holding these things in and all of this is that because you're basically filling the room with men and then telling them that they're not. With able traumatized
1: to, men and you're telling them to suck it up and don't right. talk about it and be a man and work through it. And then you're giving them weapons and, and a position of power.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And that was the, that was the last <laughs> piece I was yeah, going to yeah, say is a it's a position of yeah. power. And then you want people wonder why that we're writing that Black we're Lives Matter situation. on mm-hmm. streets yeah. across the
1: country and why there's. So I have the question. Yeah. So you have, because I know we're running short on time. So let's pretend you have a magic wand and you have complete power to do whatever, what would be your solutions?
2: As far as law
0: enforcement? Yep. Solve mm-hmm. the problems. Gosh. Refund the police. <laughs> mm.
2: If I answered this correctly, I need to be working in the White House. It's. I think it's about accountability. It's about accountability and it is about training. It's about how we train these officers and it's about the culture that we that we create as leaders. That's so important because everything starts at the top. And if things are tolerated that are unacceptable, then it's just going to continue. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's one of the things that I'm proud of that we did in Holly Springs is we, that we held our officers accountable. Now I had their back if things were alleged against them that were false, but we looked into every every complaint. Transparency
0: it, and accountability. Absolutely.
2: Mm-hmm. And that's where it's at. It, the officers have to know that it's okay to even if you're a rookie. Officer, and this is a tough. This is a tough piece of the culture to build, and that it's okay to report something mm-hmm. when you see something that's happening that doesn't look right. And it, mm-hmm. because a lot of the new officers would just assume that behavior is okay, and that's how we end up with a police officer with his knee on someone's neck, mm-hmm. and no one right. saying like anything about seconds. it. Not mm-hmm. one single person saying, "Hey, get your Surrounded knee by off it, yeah. his neck." Right? Yeah, and that's what. I cringed when I saw that because I thought there was so many opportunities for that not to happen. Now, what I don't know is all the things that happened before Mm that will probably come out at some point. But regardless, I always say about force, it's really simple to me. And and when you're caught up in the moment, if you've never been in a fight with someone, if you've never been fighting for your life, then it's really hard to Solary understand judgment. what mm-hmm. that's like. Mm-hmm. But I always say when it comes to force, it's just the amount of force necessary to affect what you're trying to do. It's just that simple. So you just stop. If you're trying to put someone in a police car and you get them in the car, that's it. That's where the, mm-hmm. the, the, the force stops. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of times, what happens is there's an extra punch in there, there's an extra push, there's a little bit of extra aggression in there, and I think that's just it's human behavior. You know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of adrenaline mm-hmm. that gets, mm-hmm. gets built up, and these things happen. Sometimes they're not they're not intentional. I don't. Right. I've never met an officer that woke up in the morning and put his uniform on and strapped his gun on and said, "I hope I get to kill someone today." Mm-hmm. That just does not that's not we what should it's hope like. That does not happen, right? No. <laughs> I mean, I have, I can't
0: say that. Yeah,
2: something's going very bad. Wrong with the leadership in a department. If you have those caliber of officers,
0: mm-hmm.
2: so anyway, back to the magic one. If I could wave that one and change the culture in law enforcement for all the departments, so that new officers in the business feel like they can report those things, and 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 then those officers that are reported are held accountable, mm-hmm. because it's really rare. If you think it doesn't happen that often, these mm-hmm. excessive force. Incidents they just don't happen that often, no. but when they do, someone needs to report that it needs to be well, okay. There needs to be some protection of that person. Even yep. internally, we say it's easy for the administration to say it's okay for you to report something. Everything will be fine. Right. We're but not when
0: gonna- you have at the very top levels of administration right now, people who are hunting out whistleblowers mm-hmm. and right. trying to uncover, it. put them in the spotlight instead of actually addressing the issue of why they're going forward in the first place because something was unethical, Mm -hmm. illegal, whatever. And it's teaching the young recruits to trust your intuition. And Mm -hmm. if that
1: little feeling in your stomach is like, oh, I don't know. Then you ask.
2: Yeah. Just Mm -hmm. ask.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Obviously you should know right from wrong, Mm -hmm. regardless of the training that you get if you made it into law enforcement and you've gone through polygraphs and psychological evaluations and those things If you've got someone who can't distinguish between right and wrong, then someone failed somewhere. That's the very very basic piece of it all. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that and training, because I think those go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Accountability, training, transparency, Mm -hmm. all of those things. That's how we fix it. Don't
1: you love that accountability is the second or the third part of the
0: model that I taught you guys yes. for trust? Just saying, yes. just throwing that in there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for I had those an awesome listening, team to work with right, I had yes. some awesome people. There. But that, I re- that's a reflection of you hiring great people. You know what I mean? Because you are the leader that you are. You attracted great people, and you were able to cut through the BS and and not pick the ones that maybe weren't going to be a great fit. But that's also a reflection of you being who you are. Almost thought why I just got way. lucky. Nope. <laughs> no, guys, that's this works. That's and one thing works. I did
2: learn is that I'm not, I know I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I know how to surround myself mm-hmm. with those people and yep. and be able to pick up on what their strengths and weaknesses are and yep. what my strengths and weaknesses are.
1: Yep. And, and fill in those gaps. Fill in the gaps. Yep. yep. Love it. All righty. So we are at the near the end. We're going to do a lightning round. So this is where we just fire questions at you. First thing that comes to your mind, don't overthink it. Yeah. <laughs> <No.
0: laughs>
2: You know me, though. I overthink everything.
0: So this is just rapid fire.
2: Ah, uh, okay.
0: No Cute. pun intended. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that sounds like it says so, so it forced to me.
0: <laughs> if you feel like it's uncomfortable. That, no, I'm just kidding. You have to answer the question. Just
2: Trust
1: like your that.
0: intuition.
2: Uh, I, I very, very much feel like I'm in a hot seat, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. That
1: is what it is. Okay. Alrighty, are you ready?
2: Yeah.
0: Lightning round.
2: <laughs> yes. We, All
0: right.
1: Do we have our sound effects for that yet? Pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. What is the number one thing on your bucket list?
2: Travel.
0: Okay. What's your biggest regret?
2: Oh, see, I'm overthinking. <laughs> I'm All right.
0: Over-thinking. We'll come back to that one. Yeah. So if you had to um, travel anywhere, and if your bucket list number one is travel, where do you want to go? I want to go to Ireland. There you go. Nice. See? Yeah. See how easy yeah. that was?
2: Yeah.
1: Because that was fluff. <laughs> I gave you fluff and then I hit you with what's your biggest regret?
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: What's the best book you've ever read? Tom Sawyer. Oh, that's a, that is a, that's a good
2: answer. And it's a controversial book too now. It is a controversial book. But not when I read it. Right. Well, great story.
0: What does success look like to you?
2: My kids.
1: What do you want your legacy to be?
2: That he was fair.
1: Okay. like that. What is something people often get wrong about you?
2: that i'm hard i'm a hard person i have a hard heart when i really actually have a very soft heart Mm
0: -hmm. i can vouch for that (laughs) (laughs) it's the soft gooey center right
2: my daughter says that i have a a, a whatever the equivalent to a resting bitch face is for a man that i have that some people are like
0: (laughs) well but stay away from that guy i think that's the i think that's your and you have trained yourself to not Show your emotions right. on your face mm-hmm. because of the positions that you've held. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, yes, the RBF, the male RBF equivalent, would make <laughs> sense. Mm-hmm. But it's also because people have an, in, an internalized bias and, and misconse- not misconception. Because women are supposed because- to always be sweet and smiling. Yeah, yeah, but it's also <laughs> because of the job. Like when you say you were in law enforcement, people would be like, oh, you're, you know, right? Again, well, we're we're gonna devolve into that. Can I do one? <laughs> yes, of course. Finish the sentence. If you were not doing blank if you did not have blank career if you were not the police you were not the police chief if you did not go into law enforcement what would you be doing i would be a
2: i would be a woodworker
0: Oh, oh nice
1: all right if you could go back and advise yourself in the past what age would you go back to and what would you say to yourself
2: Gosh, I think I'd go back to when I was 18, when I got married the first time, and I would say, do (laughs) it, don't do it, don't (laughs) do it, I gave up a baseball scholarship to do that.
1: Oh, you gave up the baseball scholarship too? I did,
2: I did, I had a baseball ROTC uh, scholarship that I gave up for that, and it didn't work out.
1: That could be, is that the biggest regret?
2: It may be, but...
0: But how my can it be a regret if it led him to
2: home? this point? And I, and you don't a, believe
0: in regrets, I take it. Not really. Just no. giving me the either. eye. I
2: don't either because my <laughs> right. kids have asked me that same thing. That's why I have trouble with that question because mm-hmm. they say, do you regret your first marriage? And I say, you know, no, because that I'm here mm-hmm. because of that. Everything happens for a reason, I think.
0: Yep, I think you can spend a lot of time wallowing in regret, and that's not a helpful position. That's why I say it. it's not that I'm like, I don't believe in regret or whatever. It's that. You can choose, like you can have that first impulse of, like, damn, I wish I hadn't done that. Right. But then you have to move on. Right. Because if yeah. you stay stuck there, it's going to. Well, then it creates shame and limiting beliefs regrets, and all Small regrets,
2: I think. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I used to tell my kids this, make all your regrets small ones. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, I wish I'd gone to the prom with that guy, that mm-hmm. guy, that kind of or, thing. Don't oh, have these I major have regrets. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think.
1: (laughs) Yes. Small regrets. I wish I wouldn't have eaten that whole pizza.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Small regret. Gas station sushi. Not a good idea.
0: Small regret. regret. Maybe those three vodkas weren't the best idea. Just saying. (laughs) After all the bourbon. But there's, yeah.
1: Okay. You good? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. (laughs) What keeps you up at night?
2: Right now, everything that's going on, uh, Mm -hmm. it's just a weird time. It was a weird last year for me. Now I mentioned we had two homicides, mm-hmm. those just Always will keep you awake, and then coronavirus came mm-hmm. along, and <laughs> oh, the you know, Rona, that, that, yeah, <laughs> and then the civil unrest, and just people's perception. Some of the things that I see said about law enforcement, when I know there's such great people doing that, doing the job, mm-hmm. and thank goodness that there are people willing to do the job. Mm-hmm. So all of that, it's just a really strange time right now. In fact, yeah. I talked about that last night. My wife and I did. It's a, just it's a weird, weird feeling. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's. But I do Unrest sleep well. I sleep just, well. At night. Do you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out by 7.30, but I'm awake about 5.
1: What? <laughs> yeah. 7.30? Can you even
0: imagine? Can you teach my daughter how to do that? Right. I was like, my
1: kids aren't even asleep <laughs> at <I know>. 7.30. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And the crazy thing is my wife and I are on an opposite schedule. So she's staying at watching Netflix Mm -hmm. till 12 and then I'm up at banging pots and (laughs) making coffee or whatever in the morning.
0: Yeah, if you did, if you had that job, because I remember my husband's grandfather, like used to, I would have voicemails on my office phone at work because he'd already read the paper cover to cover and was on his third pot of coffee by the time I rolled in at eight. Mm -hmm. Because I used to work at the VA hospital in Syracuse, New York, and he would go to the VA for services. And so it'd be like, Jenny, I saw this thing. And I'd be like. Voop. It was like, you call me and yep. left me a message at 645. I wasn't even rolling out of bed yet.
1: <laughs> yep. Yep. All right, last one. What would your theme song be?
2: Mm, thunder. Oh, ACDC. Good one. Nice
1: such a good one I was telling yes. my boys about that song the other day it was like on a commercial or something and I was like guys that's such a good song and they're like really mommy and I'm like oh I'm gonna have to teach you that one I'm it's like you great. Guys? yes
2: sometimes so in the gym I just play it I put it on a loop and I play it over and over yes. for a solid hour and a half
1: nice yeah yep. it does make you want to like fuck yeah. somebody mm. up <laughs> it does is that mm. just me just mm. me too much did I cross
0: mm. the line there
2: no. Okay. No. Okay. no, I I, I, th- I thought there was no line in
1: here. Right. There's no there's <laughs> line
0: in here, and I've been like I've been here listening to a lot of ludicrous lately, so I'm like, mm-hmm. oh yeah,
2: I I like that too. Yeah. Yes. yeah,
0: stand up. Yeah, it's you know combine that, and that's like a yeah. I could have that on a loop all day.
1: Yep, mm-hmm. yep. getting it done.
0: Yep. So. All right. Awesome.
1: Thank, Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Thank for you for today. having me. I've, this has been fun.
1: Yes. What is next for you?
2: I've got a, got a little venture going with some partners, believe it or not, doing hemp testing. Yes. So I was like,
1: we should talk. Yeah. That's a side gig going on. Yes. We should talk. Yes.
2: It's been interesting. I've been to Atlanta a couple of times to meet with some of the uh, partners, and we're just getting going. You know, it's a startup business, so we'll yeah. see how it goes. And that's, uh, that's something that's changing in the country, state by state. So. yeah.
1: Yeah, when you said about sleeping, I was like, it made me think because I was like, when I take my CBD oil, I sleep very mm-hmm. well, and when yep. I don't, I regret it the
0: next morning. I think I need to get some yep. for the new dog. Yes, yep. yeah,
1: we do have pet CBD oil. Bless her heart. Go
0: check,
2: go check it out. It's hemplab-usa.com. Love it's, it. Got our little story on there.
0: Nice. Love yep. it. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yep, All right. Cool, chief. It's been real. Thanks for coming. I know. I was real. like, thank I'm going to call so you much. chief for forever.
2: Pleasure to meet you. <laughs> it's great yeah. to meet
1: you too. Thanks for bringing <laughs> them in. Yes, of course. All right. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you taking the time out of our day. I hope you're jogging, walking, out of, cru- day? Or out of your day. Sorry. <laughs> I hope you're jogging, walking, cruising, having time to yourself. Thank
0: you for listening. We appreciate thank you, you. For listening. And please leave us ratings on um, iTunes and wherever you listen to your podcast. That's how helps people, other people find us. And you can find out more at GirlsToDoStuff.com and on our social channels. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And And you do you, boo. We love
1: making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow
2: us on social media.